This is the fourth week of Advent and the fourth and final week of our current message series. We've been saying in the course of this series, Advent is a season of hope. And if there is a number one hope for the holiday season, an overriding hope, a universal hope, many people would probably say it's peace. Peace. We look forward to the promise of peace. And for some reason, the Advent Christmas season, more than any other season of the year, seems to put into focus our desire for peace. While we think easily of peaceful experiences, peaceful environments, moments of peace, feelings of peace, the desire for peace goes far beyond those experiences or environments, far deeper than moments or feelings. And you could probably also say, perhaps now, more than ever before, we feel that desire in an urgent kind of way, given the world around us and current events. The collective experience of all of it ensures that peace seems elusive. Many people feel this disquiet. Maybe you are feeling this disquiet. And this is where our desires and God's will intersect. All of Scripture teaches that the coming of the Messiah, the long-awaited, often-promised Savior of the world, whose coming Advent remembers and celebrates, all of Scripture describes a correlation between the arrival of the Messiah and the establishment of peace on earth. Scripture tells us that's what God wants. So, we want peace. God wants peace for us. Why does it remain so elusive? And what can we do to find it in a substantial kind of way and hang on to it? That's what this series is all about. So in the first week of this series, we looked at the prophet Isaiah, who tells us about God's vision for peace in our lives, which can be realized as people come to know God's presence and learn His peaceful ways, putting aside the emotional weapons we use in our conflicts with one another, weapons like anger. In the second week, we looked at moving beyond just laying us down those weapons by embracing our identity as peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the ones who will be called the children of God. Our identity as beloved sons and daughters of God calls us to make peace with one another, bearing with one another, accepting one another, welcoming others as Christ welcomes us. Last week, we looked at what's fundamental to all of this. It's all about peace in our hearts. Our circumstances notwithstanding, peace in our heart. We learned from John the Baptist's story, who had lost his sense of peace when he was unjustly imprisoned. We talked about, about going to the Lord with our questions and concerns, like John did, listening to the Lord's voice, opening up a conversation with God. As we wrap up this series this weekend, just a reminder that if you missed any or all of it, all four weeks are available starting today online on demand. That, of course, 
is on our website. It's also a great place to share the message with friends or family who might need to hear this message this Christmas. Today, we're going to take a look at the most important kind of peace ever, the most important kind of peace of all, peace with God. If you think about it, everything we've discussed these last three weeks presupposes peace with God. We believe that God has a vision of peace for our lives. We embrace the role of peacemaker because we see ourselves as God's children. And we listen to God's voice when circumstances or times are tough because we believe that he wants to speak words of comfort into our lives. But none of that is possible. None of that is possible unless and until we have peace with God. But how? How, how do we come to peace with God and what does that even mean? Well, before answering that question, let's acknowledge that for many people, there can be an uneasiness with this topic, an uneasiness talking about God. The discussion provokes a distinct lack of peace. We can be uneasy because, well, God is all truth, and at times we're untruthful. God is all-powerful, and we can be incredibly weak. God is all-knowing, and often we're not sure what we know. We can feel a lack of peace with God because He's so big, and our lives can seem so small in comparison. A perfectly holy God can actually disrupt our peace. It's like going to a party and discovering you're underdressed. You can feel out of place. You just want to leave, go home. We can feel that same way in approaching God or even just talking about Him. And that may describe you. You came back to church today, maybe for the first time in a long time or the first time ever because somebody asked you to or promised you brunch. But you feel uneasy in a church setting. Maybe it reminds you of mistakes you've made. Maybe you think that God is mad at you and doesn't even want you here. If that describes you today, congratulations. You chose the perfect weekend to come to church. Because today, we're looking, briefly, at three reasons you, whoever you are and whatever you've done, despite your flaws and failures, despite everything, the peace you really can have with God. The passage we're looking at today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and Matthew introduces us to the Christmas story. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus came about, when his mother was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child. So we read about the Christmas story in two of the four Gospels, Luke and Matthew. Luke tells this story from Mary's perspective. Matthew tells it from Joseph's perspective. In that culture at that time, a couple, 
a couple approached marriage by entering a period of betrothal or engagement that would last about a year before they lived together. But it was a legally binding commitment only breakable by divorce. So when Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant and he knows he's not the father, obviously that presents a problem. So here's what happened. Joseph, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. So Joseph proves himself to be a man of honor, determining he can't proceed with the engagement, but neither is he willing to expose Mary publicly, which would have brought the penalty of a dreadful death by public stoning. The situation must have been incredibly stressful and unsettling for Joseph, a total lack of peace. That is, until such was his intention, when behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit this child has been conceived in her. If you have vivid dreams, by the way, God might be using them to speak to you to get your attention. That's what he did with Joseph. The angel of the Lord tells Joseph that Mary is acting within the will of God, and now it's his turn to do the same. The angel continues with his marvelous message. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph will serve as Jesus' foster father, and it fell to the father in Jewish law to name the children. Jesus' name shows the first reason that we can have peace with God. The name Jesus means God saves. The angel specifically says that Jesus saves us from our sins, even though we've missed the mark. Time and time again, God doesn't allow that to define us. Jesus, by his death on the cross, has wiped away all our sin, past, present, and to come. He's given us a fresh start. He's always giving us a fresh start. Elsewhere in Scripture, St. Paul sums it up this way. Since we are saved, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We see from the next verse another reason, a second reason that we have peace with God. Matthew continues the story. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had foretold that miraculously the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And throughout their history, history, Israel had waited for a savior. That waiting characterized their national culture. They waited for the savior. And now the time at last finally had come. Emmanuel means God is with us. It expresses God's presence with his people. It means that God has concern for us and wants to protect us and guide us and lead us. It means he is for us. You know, when you're not on good terms with someone, 
When there is unresolved conflict in a relationship, you avoid the other person's presence, right? When peace is lacking in a relationship, you stay away from one another. That continues until one party is willing to go to the other. That's what happened in our relationship with God. We have peace with God because He was willing to come to us. In the person of Jesus Christ, He was willing to come to us. He is God with us and for us. As the passage concludes, we see another way, a third way, in which we can have peace with God. Here's how Matthew concludes the story. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary into his home. Interestingly, no words of Joseph are recorded in Scripture. He never speaks. But we know what we need to know. He did as the Lord commanded. He agrees to participate in God's great big plan. Joseph was a simple man, a simple carpenter. And we know from other passages of Scripture that it seems likely he lived very modestly. Yet God invites him to be a part of the biggest plan in history. He invites him to be the foster father of his son, to raise him as his own, to educate him in Scripture, to introduce him to Jewish tradition and piety, to train him in his trade. And for his part, Joseph cooperates with his plan. It seems incredible. But more incredible still, he invites us to be a part of that very same great big plan. God takes the initiative. He wipes away our sin. He comes to us to be with us, to be for us, and then invites us into His plan. And it's up to us. It's always up to us to choose whether or not to cooperate. We choose to cooperate with His plan. A plan, a plan that everyone should be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. That's the plan. So as we wrap up this series and look ahead to Christmas, just one challenge. Like Joseph, can we accept the opportunity to be a part of God's plan this Christmas? While Joseph played a unique role in the plan, we can at least embrace a modest role. Christmas Eve is our very best opportunity of the whole year to invite an unchurched friend or family member to join us for church here on Ridgely Road or online. We have paper invitations available at the kiosks on the concourse and festive electronic invitations available on our website. It'll be the very best invitation anybody could ever receive this Christmas because it's an invitation to experience the peace, the peace that really is possible in our world, in our relationships, in our hearts. Despite everything, the peace that really is possible because of Christ's birth. 
Thanks for watching. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful that you're part of this community.